Uh, good morning, everybody. Thank you, guys. Great job just to magnify the beautiful name of Jesus, hey? It's so good to worship Him, to fix our eyes upon Him, to set our gaze and our affection upon Him. Just take a moment while we're you know, just setting up. If you're at home, just take another moment to worship Him. Jesus, we love you and we honour you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Come and have your, have your way amongst us, Lord. Come and explode in our hearts. We pray for everybody that's watching, for ourselves as well. That prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter three, that we would, by the power of heaven, be expanded on the inside, strengthened on the inside in our inner being that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, would have the power to grasp and comprehend the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of God, of Christ, that which surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of Christ. So we pray that for you this morning. We pray that for ourselves this morning, that you would be filled with the fullness of Christ and that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. <laughs> so good. Uh, well, you know, this uh, last week, Duncan uh, preached a message, started our sermon series on uh, undivided. What a beautiful graphic, undivided that we are a people undivided in Christ. And he, he preached last week on uh, the fact that uh, in Adam, before Adam and Eve sinned, we were actually created in the image of God. Male and female, we were created. And we were given a blessing from the Lord to be fruitful, to fill the earth, to multiply and sub multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And that we, in our original goodness, in God, in the image of God. We were created to be together in the, in, in carrying the DNA of God, carrying the very heart of God in deep relationship with Him. And, uh, and that was our original purpose. And so Jesus coming to the earth, we know that Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus' mission to come to the earth was to come to undo Adam and to bring us back into that place of oneness in Christ Jesus, to bring us back into that place of love and uh, affirmation with the Father, to bring us back into that deep place of relationship with Him. And, and that is just so wonderful. And so this morning, what I wanna take, I wanna go on into this message of being undivided, and I wanna preach on being undivided in hope. Undivided in hope. You know, there's many, uh, there's a lot of things going on at the moment in the world, and lots of people are putting their hope in different things. They're putting their hope, hope in change, they're putting their hope in the government or, or the government changing, they're putting their hope maybe in things like defunding the police force, they're putting their hope in somehow in the goodness of humanity that, that we'll be able to come overcome this, these issues and, and, and work through um, the issues of racism or poverty or sickness in our, in our uh, society. Maybe they put their hope in a vaccine for COVID. There's a whole range of things that, that people are putting their hope in, but there is only one true hope for us as believers. And we believe and we affirm that Jesus Christ is our only hope and He is our living hope. And, um, and so this morning, I want to just take a moment to, un, to unpack that. We were uh, gathering, 
with some of our prophetic voices on, uh, on Monday. And I was really struck with uh, a couple of our prophetic voices, uh, uh, African-American women that were expressing such hope, not hope in the situation, but hope in God. And it really gripped my heart. And, um, and you know, the, the reality is Jesus came because there was no hope outside of Him. The Bible says this, it says that all have sinned which is to miss the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. Duncan preached last week that we were created in the image of God, in the original goodness of God, and he created us to walk in that glory. But be, when Adam and Eve sinned, all of humanity fell short of the glory, of the goodness, of the power and the majesty uh, and, the, and the, the love and the um, the grace of, of God. And we all fell short of that. And the psalmist goes on to say this. He says, there is not one who does good, not even one. I don't know, don't know about you, but when I first read that, I thought, wow, that sounds a bit harsh. There's plenty of people that do good. We can see that in the world. People all around trying to do good, trying to be altruistic. But what the Bible teaches is that God doesn't look on the outside, He looks upon the heart. And in looking upon the heart, he sees the motives of every heart. And his assessment of the motives of every heart is that not one of us have pure motives. There's always ego involved, self-centered reasons, selfishness, pride, greed, whatever it might be, even the most altruistic doing it, doing it for the wrong reasons. And the ultimate wrong reason, of course, is that everything that we do outside of being, bringing glory to God is actually falling short of the glory to, of God. Because we don't acknowledge the Creator, the one who created us for His glory and His goodness. So uh, uh, there's many people looking for hope, but the message of God, the message of Jesus, the gospel that we preach is there is only hope in Christ Jesus. Let's have a think about this for a minute. On the cross, God became man. Jesus walked upon the earth for 30 years, 33 years, and at the end of His life, He willingly gave Himself to die upon the cross, to be hung there, to be murdered, to be beaten, to be brutalised, to, to, to come against him and uh, for the whole of humanity to come against him. And he on the cross, Jesus Christ, suffered as a victim. A victim of the brutality of man. A victim of the rage and of the malice of man. A victim of racism. A victim of the hatred of his own people. A victim of slander, of malice, a victim of, of, of slurs. People saying to him, if you were the Son of God, come down off the cross. And Jesus hanging upon the cross, he was there suffering as a victim. And in that moment, what he did was to absorb all of humanity's pain. There's so much pain at the moment in society uh, and m much of it justified. Obviously, we see the extremes where, we've, where, we've, uh, where we see people then going into lawlessness to try and distract from the true and the right issues. But we're seeing so much pain, whether it's to do with uh, racism and, and the justified sense of, of repression and this anger that's been coming out, whether it's the pain of, of losing loved ones through COVID, maybe it's the pain of poverty, maybe it's the pain of, of broken relationships in this season where we've been in lockdown and, and, in, and in close quarters and we've found ourselves increasingly fractured and increasingly in a sense of disconnect and discombobulation. Um, there's so much pain, but Jesus has absorbed all of that pain. 
On the cross, he absorbed the pain of hatred. He absorbed the pain of racism. He absorbed the pain of rage. He absorbed the pain of malice. He absorbed the pain of isolation. He absorbed the pain of shame. He took it all upon himself. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be us. He knows exactly what it's like to have a human experience because he had a human experience and in the end suffered the worst kind of suffering anyone could imagine. Not only did he suffer the pain, but he actually took on of the victim, but he actually took on the identity of the oppressor. He took on the sin of the oppressor. He took on the rage and the murder. He took on the taunts. He took on the aggression. He took it within himself receiving it both as the victim, but the Bible says that he who knew no sin, referring to Jesus, he became sin for us. So he didn't just experience the consequences of the victim, but he actually experienced the, uh, the, the sin of the aggressor. What an incredible salvation. And in his human body, he received all of the punishment of all of the sin of all of the world because we had a life that God desired. We had a life that God required of us when He made us. You know, it's the, it's, if I was to make something, it's up to me as the maker to determine what the purpose is and to expect that tool, that plate, that bowl, whatever it might be, to, to fulfil its function. In our, in our home, in our family, we've got a, um, a birthday plate. Ash made it in uh, 2003 when we were living in Australia and it, and it says happy birthday and, um, and it was, an, it's, you know, got some balloons and some colourful pictures on it. And every year, our, our family, when we have a birthday, the person whose birthday it is has, gets to choose what meal they want and then, gets to, and then gets to eat that meal off the birthday plate. It's a pretty trite example. But we, as a family, Ash created that plate for a purpose and we expect that plate to be used for that purpose, to, to fulfill that purpose. And, and in the same way, God has created us as humans, humanity to love God and to love each other. And so there's an expectation in his heart that we would fulfill that. And of course we haven't. But yet Jesus has taken that punishment and that sin in his body and he's taken it upon himself for you and for me. How good is that? It's such a good truth of the gospel that the, actually our hope isn't in our government. Our hope isn't in a vaccine. Our hope isn't in social and physical distancing, although that's a good thing to practice. Our hope isn't in a, 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 a solution that comes from the outside to deal with racism or poverty. Our hope isn't in that because the reality is all of those issues don't stem from the outside, they stem from the inside. They come from the inside of the human heart, which is wicked, the Bible says, above all things. And so the, so it, the issues that we're facing, whether it's hatred or racism or sickness, those issues are issues that result from the heart of man. And Jesus came not on his own mission, but he came in the mission of a father who absolutely loved him and who absolutely loves all of humanity. Our God is a Father who's existed as a Father for all eternity. And He sent His Son, Jesus, in His great heart of love because He loved you and I, but not just you and I, but those that are tearing up our cities, those who are dying in their sins from COVID, those who are shouting in aggression, those who are, are standing against some of the things that maybe you and I believe in. He came to die for all of humanity in the Father's love 
to establish a new and unbreakable covenant of love. Love, a covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties. And in this case, it's agreement between the Father and the Son. And in the covenant, there's always a death to make that covenant or like a will or a testament to make that come into fruition. And so God in Christ Jesus became both sides of that covenant where he laid down his life, Jesus, to establish a new covenant for us that we could live in his love, not based on our own ability, not based on our own goodness, but based on his Goodness, what an incredible hope that we have. And so now we've got, as Paul says in Acts 26, we're coming out of darkness into light. We've come out of the power of Satan into God. We've come out, we've been forgiven and we've found a place among those who are being sanctified, those who are being set apart. Together we have a place of belonging in His family. And it's so good. So we're undivided in our hope because in Christ Jesus we have been united. We've been fused together in a place of hope. I want to take a moment, I've quoted Scripture already, but to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to, we're going to read from verse 1 to 7. And Paul, as a, he's, the context is this, he's writing to a church that, he's, that he planted in a city called Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey. And it was a magnificent church, a, a, an amazing church that had incredible beginnings of, of uh, witchcraft, book, books being burnt, a massive bonfire, um, witchcraft, people coming out of witchcraft, people coming out of, uh, of all manner of bondage of sin. Uh, I, I believe it was a place where Paul's, even his handkerchief was so anointed that when he laid it on people, they would get healed, right? It's a place of glory. And Paul's writing to this, this, this church who a few years later, John is gonna write uh, in the Revelation and, and John has a vision and a message from God. And the message is, I know your works are great, but you've fallen from your first love. And th- but Paul's writing this, he's saying, therefore, he's writing in, from prison in Rome and he's saying this, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. (laughs) I love this, who is over all and through all and in all. Come on. But, and then he goes to say this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I love that. I love as we just see that passage, Paul's starting to say first, walk in a manner of worthy that you've been called and gentleness and humility and patience. What's that? That's issues of the heart flowing out, positive issues, uh, fruit of the Spirit flowing out into our relationships around us, walking with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Why? Because where is one body? In Christ Jesus, all, uh, all of the church, whether it's Catch the Fire, uh, the Baptist churches all around us, the United Methodist churches, the house churches, the, the Catholic church, whatever it might be, in Christ Jesus, those that believe in Christ, the Bible says we are now one body together. And so he's saying there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of us all. We are one. And there is, what I want to talk about is this minute, middle piece that says, there is one hope 
that belongs to your call. How are we united? We're united in hope. How are we undivided? We're undivided in hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of His righteousness. <laughs> Come on. And the power of His oneness. Okay, let's talk about this hope for a little minute. So t- to me, um, well, before we, get, let me just, sorry, let me back up a little minute. There's, there's this, what I love about this passage is there's oneness, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one Father, one God and Father of us all. But then he says there's diversity. And so this oneness isn't conformity because he then goes on to say in verse seven, grace has been given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. We all have a place of belonging. We all have a place of, of, uh, of service. We all have a place of the measure of the gift of God upon our lives, even in this oneness. But we have one hope. Well, what is this hope? Well, Colossians chapter one, Paul says this, that the hope is glory and it's Christ in us who is the hope of glory. And so we have this multi-dimensional hope. This, the first dimension of hope, that ultimate hope, is that one day we will be with Jesus and the Father in glory. That we will be in heaven with Him. That we will be in a place where there's no more sickness, there's no more crying, there's no more tears, there's no more racism, there's no more hatred, there's no more malice, there's no more internal self, lack of self-worth, there's no internal sense of rejection or abandonment, there's no internal sense of I don't belong, that we're coming to a place in our future is a glorious future of belonging, is a glorious future of perfection, is a glorious future in the heavenly realms of experiencing love, without shame, without fear, just joy and purpose. And that is our hope. We have this, you know, the reality is we, we may be looking for heaven on earth. Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. But until that day, Jesus says, when there is a new heaven that will be the new earth, we're never gonna see the perfection that we're looking for because of this human condition. Because he's gonna bring a new earth and a new heaven. So we've got this hope, we've got this future, we've got this expectation that there will be a day when we will be free from sickness. There will be a day when we'll be free from racism. There will be a day when we'll be free from hatred. There will be a day when we are in this beautiful relationship together. And that, my friends, is not based on your ability to follow the rules. That is not based on, are you, can you be good enough or not? That's not based on, do you pray enough? Are you a good enough person? That's not based on anything other than the finished work of the perfect Saviour, Jesus Christ. And if you haven't met Jesus as your Saviour, He is the most wonderful, the most kind, the most gentle, the most loving person you will ever encounter in your whole life. Other than, of course, His Father, and His Spirit, who are in a mystery, together God, individual, but yet together. (laughs) He's glorious, He's beautiful. It's Christ in us is the hope. Now hope is, Paul says in Romans 8, he says, look, hope, if you have hope, it's not really, and you, sorry, if you have hope and you see it, it's not really hope. Right, at Christmas time, we hope for Christmas presents. When we open the Christmas, we open the presents and we undo it, hope is no longer required because we have, hopefully, if people have been listening, what we ask for, right? 
That hope, hope is only there when we don't have what we see, but we hope for it. And so the Bible calls us to this. It says, set your eyes on the things above. Set your hope in heaven that no matter what goes on around us, no matter what chaos, no matter what turmoil, no matter who is coming against us, even this week we've had a little bit of um, just some interesting opposition, um, not too much personally, but just you know from some of the th- prayer walk last week um, in Cary. It doesn't matter who's coming against us. doesn't matter in your own life who's coming. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Your hope, if you believe in Jesus, your destiny, your calling, no matter what you face in this life, is an eternity of love, joy, peace, and perfection forever and ever and ever. And that's glorious. But this hope that Christ is in us, this hope of glory that we're experiencing, that we're expecting, that we're putting our confidence in, that hope isn't just reserved for the future because with the Holy Spirit coming, what's happened is the power of heaven has now invaded the earth today. And so by the Holy Spirit, that's why we love to make a deal, not just of Jesus coming on the cross and His death and His resurrection, but when He ascended, He sent the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now dwelling on the inside of us is also, is Christ in us, the hope of glory, not just for the future, because the Holy Spirit is the deposit, the guarantee of what's to come, but even now, the evidence of the reality of that future breaking in to heaven right now. Come on, get excited, church family. Experience the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us and amongst us is hope for the world. Ha! Because if sin, if racism, if if division, if prejudice, if bias, if political separation, if hatred, if self-rejection, those are all issues of the heart. The only way that you can deal with them is to allow the lover of your soul to come and heal your heart. And so that starts like, that looks like this. What is our hope? Well, our hope, our first hope is in the salvation of souls because there's no transformation without people getting saved through an encounter with Jesus and having the Holy Spirit come and bring them into an entirely new nature. We're not looking at just trying to make ourselves better. What we need to do is to die and allow the life of Christ to bring His life and perfection on the inside of us. And there's no way we can do that without, for, for, the, for society, the foundation of our hope in society is the salvation of souls that people would find Jesus, would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that their lives would change, their attitudes would change, their heart would change, their, 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 the way that they invest their time and their money uh, and, and the way that they go about their lives would change and would shift and would, uh, and would become more and more like God, full of the love of the Father. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need to transform mindsets. Because what we've been experiencing, what we've been hearing is, is a, a number of different narratives. Narratives around, uh, there's a, you know, there's, let's take the issue of racism, that there's systemic racism. And I, and I believe it, but that systemic racism doesn't just hide away in, in some kind of bogey, like some sort of bogeyman in, in, a, in, a, in a hall or an institution or somewhere. It actually resides in people's hearts. It comes through family generations. It comes through the reality of a dad, a son or a child seeing their dad respond or their mother respond in a certain way or it comes from seeing people around them respond and then that that attitude of the heart taking root and that 
them stepping into the reality of their behavior, that behavior. And so the issue isn't change your behavior. The issue is allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart. And so we need salvation. The gospel is the good news that we need to, we, we wanna see people reconciled to God. That's the only way, that's the only hope we're gonna see for change. That's the base level foundation, be reconciled to God. And I am so grateful to, uh, for our evangelists. I'm so grateful to, to people, that, uh, to some of our church community that are out on the streets in uh, downtown in protests or uh, with their neighbours going across the road, taking that hope to different places. I'm so grateful for people that love and have a passion for souls. But my hope is that the Holy Spirit breathes that life into all of us and we all have this passion for souls to go across the street, to go to the protest, to go to, uh, into our workplaces and to, to see, to speak the gospel, to love with words and deeds and to see people get transformed from every sphere of society. Oh God, come and move in us. That is our hope. And so, so all of us, we're called to share the love of God. But the salvation of souls isn't enough. The other, other dimension of this hope that we have is actually for discipleship. Because it's not just about once a moment of getting encountering God, but it's actually a moment, it's a lifetime of experiencing more and more of the reality of heaven breaking in and our mindsets being shifted. And so discipleship is so key. Can I ask you this question? Who are you discipling? You may feel like, well, I haven't got, I have, I've just become a Christian or I don't really have enough. The, that's not actually a good answer. Sorry because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you and the power of the Holy Spirit is enough. So who are you leading to Christ? Yes, but who are you on an ongoing way discipling and bringing them into the, the, the form of who Jesus is? You know, one of the very best ways that you can disciple somebody, lead a connect group. Join a connect group, make some friends, if you haven't done so already, find a couple of people in that connect group who you feel like you can connect with, get, you know, develop some relationship with, pour your life into them. If you, if you don't wanna lead a group, pour your life into a couple of other people. But if you really wanna lead a, 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 lead a group, we, we want you, we need you. We need discipleship, not just that somebody gets saved, but that their life gets transformed by the power of the gospel. So we want to be people that are not just walking in the Father's love for ourselves, but that we're giving it away. And the Holy Spirit's been challenging me. I want to challenge us with this. Are we ready for the lost and the broken to come into our community? Are we ready for people that look different to us, messing up our services, messing up our lives? Are we ready if we're really believing, if we, if we think that there's an issue of fatherlessness in our nation, which I believe there is, are we ready for the fatherless to come into our place and actually it look a little bit messy and disrupt our comfort? It's a challenge, isn't it? Are we gonna make room for them? Are we gonna love them? I hope so. So there's discipleship, our hope is Christ in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sharing the gospel, we're sharing our love, we're sharing our lives, we're discipling others. And what we're looking to see is then transformation of families, breaking cycles of poverty, breaking cycles of, of, of stinking thinking, breaking cycles of um, uh, expectations of things not going well for them or whatever it might be, that we're believing God 
for transformation of families and then the transformation of society. I thank God for reformers in this church. I thank God for teachers. I thank God for business people. I thank God for government workers. I thank God for moms that are, that are training their children. That are, that I thank God for teachers that are going into schools and, and in the love of God, in the righteousness of Christ, not necessarily preaching, but coming with, because they can't, but coming with the reformation of heaven into those places. Come on, rise up reformers, rise up evangelists, rise up disciple makers, rise up children of God. Our hope is in Him. Our hope is in Him. I want to wrap up with this. We hope despite evidence. You know, one of my favourite passages, I love Romans chapter 4, where it's talking about Abraham. And it says this of Abraham, in hope against hope, he believed. What did they do? Well, Abraham, for those of you that don't know the story, he was about 100 years old, well, 80, I think it was, when he first got this prophetic word, and he was married to a woman who was you know, a little younger than him, Sarah, and he had this prophetic word that he was gonna have children, and those offspring would become like the sand in the seashore, or the stars in the sky. And you know, he got to the point of being 100 years old and didn't have the fulfillment of that promise. And, and so he, what does it say? The Bible says that he considered his own body as good as dead. And he considered Sarah's womb, now probably over 80 years old, and that was barren. And yet, in hope against all hope, he believed. And it says he was strengthened in his faith as he, gives, as he gave glory to God. So what is our hope? Our hope is against hope. We're believing, despite the evidence that we might see around us, we're believing God for breakthrough. We're believing God for transformation. We're believing God for revival. We're believing God for reformation. We're believing God for the, for the world to be transformed in His love, despite the evidence around us. In fact, the darker the world gets, the more the light shines. And then that hope, despite the evidence, causes us to rejoice. It causes us to be filled with joy. You know, it's so easy at this point to, to be walking around feeling the weight and the pressure of all the ills of society and feeling that the challenge. But yet hope, the Bible says in Romans 5, 2 to 5, hope does not disappoint us because we've been filled with the love of the Father by the Holy Spirit. And so let the hope of God well up within you right now. Let the joy well up that we serve a King who is through all and over all and in all. And He will fulfill His Word. That he, with the Word that He speaks, words like the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. That Word, Habakkuk 2.14, will not return to Him empty and void, but will fulfill that which He's promised to do. Rejoice in hope, rejoice in hope, even if that means suffering, Paul says, rejoice. Because hope leads to su uh, endurance, sorry, suffering leads to endurance, endurance leads to character, character leads to hope. Starts with hope and ends in hope. Because <laughs> we've been filled with the love of God and hope does not disappoint us. And here's, my, here's what I wanna finish with this. If you're feeling under the pressure, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling like you, you, you're feeling hopeless, maybe you're at home and you're feeling like, I'm never gonna break through. I'm never gonna get through these issues of my heart. I'm never gonna feel like I can find someone to love. I'm never gonna get beyond feelings of loneliness or I'm never gonna get through this sense of anger and hatred. I'm never gonna get through just this sin on the inside. 
We're never gonna see society transform. We're never gonna see the government change. We're never gonna see the political parties come together. We're never gonna, we're never gonna, we're never gonna. If you're living in that pressure, allow the Holy Spirit right now to birth hope into you. Because Jesus has absorbed all of the sin of humanity, all of the pain of humanity, and on the cross, there He was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Infusing into humanity the power to forgive and the power to live righteous and godly life, and then the Holy Spirit coming to empower us to do that. Allow the Holy Spirit right now. In fact, let's take a moment. I want you, wherever you are at home, just to close your eyes and sink, if you're sitting down, or whether you're standing up in your own mind, sink into that place where you, uh, uh, in your soul where you're quiet before the Lord and allow Him right now to pour His love into you. Pour His hope into you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in every room, in every place where people are watching either in the moment or whenever they're watching, would you now, would you come in this moment, pour out your love, pour out your hope, anchor us in. And maybe you're feeling angry. Maybe you're feeling bitter towards what's going on or towards a particular people group or to an individual. I want you to take a moment and confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me for being angry. Please forgive me for walking in bitterness. Please forgive me for holding something against someone else. I lay down my right to be right. I lay down my power and I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Every place where I have been under pressure, where I haven't been walking in hope. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. I ask that you would cleanse me and that you would wash me. And then take a moment just, just to release forgiveness to those people. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a person, your boss. Maybe it's in society in general, the government, whoever it might be. Take a moment to release forgiveness, to release any sense of uh, frustration or anger and, and receive the forgiveness of heaven. Say something like this. I forgive and name them. And then say, you owe me nothing. I rip up every excuse you, your behavior has given me to behave badly or to hold on to pain in my heart and I release it right now. And I ask, Lord, for your forgiveness and I ask that you would cause me to step into hope in a whole new way because we're undivided in hope. We're undivided in the hope in Jesus Christ. We're undivided in the hope of the Holy Spirit. We're undivided in the hope of the Father's love. We have an eternal destiny. We have an eternal place of well-being with Him. But we get to see the life of heaven invading now. And each one of us are commissioned. Each one of us are called into being in that place of being undivided in our hope. Each one of us called into the mission of reconciling the world to God. Father, we love you. 
and we worship you. And I bless all of my friends, all the family of God that are watching this. Let hope spring up. I want to leave you with this, 1 Peter. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you have hope. You believe in him and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Let the joy that's inexpressible, filled with glory, well up in your hearts right now. And may you be filled with hope.